This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai. There's joy in every journey. You have to love the effort so far um, and the production you, you're getting from throughout the lineup. I mean, so just to fast forward a little bit because it was a crazy game and we, we will jump back to the injuries and stuff uh, in a few minutes. But a, a shit show of a second period, the Bruins just kind of, I don't know, they, they didn't play, they didn't play like terrible. They just, they weren't very sharp throughout the second period. And, you know, next thing you know, they're down 5-2. Um, but midway through the third period, well, I think uh, Stem Bergeron makes it 5-3. They call the goal back. And then Marsh mm-hmm. has a power play. So he gets his third goal in his second game back in the lineup. Makes it 5-3. Three, three power play up. goals for him, too. Those all yeah. in the power play. Yeah. And, 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 and like, we talked about – the power play struggling, like you bring you bring him into the lineup and his finish will just automatically help that. But um about eight minutes to go in the third period, um Hampus Lindholm gets a simple shot through through traffic and and Pavel Zaka is able to tip one home. And he's another guy just throughout your forward lineup that kind of gets a huge goal, makes you within one shot of tying the game. So just you know discuss how, how Pavel Zaka did today in that in that's in, in Krejci's spot again. Yeah, it, it you know that I think he, he's been a little bit up and down there, but uh, getting that goal is huge for him. Like because you know, he's had some good stretches. We we talked in the last podcast about how he's also had some quiet stretches, um, but was I thought more involved overall today. Made some nice plays, and then to end up getting rewarded with with a big goal there during the comeback. Uh, was huge. And I thought that line um, in general looked good tonight. Uh, You know, like the rest of the team slow early on, took them a little while to get going. But once they did, like they looked like a really dangerous line again, which, you know, you kind of wonder like with Krejci out, okay, you know, can they do that? Can Zaka fill in kind of at least the same way that Eric Holla did last year? where that could, could still be a good line. And I thought you saw more of that tonight. Um, and obviously, you know, they get the both of the goals in the third period between Zaka and, the, and then Hall on the rebound to tie it late. Yeah. And so actually before this game even started, like I had done some like pregame notes and I wrote like um, Zaka needs to step up with Krejci out, just like was going to follow him more closely throughout the game. And because we'd seen stretches where he was quiet and he's played on every line now at this point, besides the fourth line, he's played, he started out on the top line. He's gone to the third line. Now he's centering the second line. He's played like, you know, 
at, at least left wing and center. I, I forget if he ever spent any time playing right wing. But yeah, he did. He was he on the third play. line with Coyle and Frederick. Yeah, so he's been all over the place. And I was like, okay, I'm going to pay extra attention to him today because he's in this position where he's going to have to be more impactful in that spot where Krejci, you know, where Krejci usually is. And, and obviously he's out with the injury. And I, when I was watching him at points in the game, especially early on, I was like, okay, well, he still isn't like really changing the game, like the complexion of the game. And then finally he did end up, he did end up deflecting that shot in from Lindholm. And it was, it was beautiful. Like it was pretty much textbook, like perfect getting the stick on it. And he did have another play where he was at the doorstep on a shot and was like jamming at it. And you know, uh, that was a, a decent scoring opportunity for him as well. And whereas in some games earlier in the season, especially at home, Scott, where we're able to like watch it in person, I felt like he kind of disappeared on the ice. I, I think that he did a better job today with actually like getting involved and not being someone that was as quiet, um, which is, you know, he hopefully this goal sets him in that direction even further. Yeah, and by the way, just quick detour to the to the stats corner because I wanted to look this up. When that line was on the ice uh, against the Penguins Tuesday night, Hall, Zaka, Pasternak, Bruins outshot the Penguins nine to two. Yeah, it, it's that line was also not a defensive liability tonight, um, as in some other lines were. They did get scored on. I think they're on the ice for two goals against um i just didn't think I that guess they the made two shots that yeah that the penguins got with them out there but uh, I thought no, that not that that did... was like entirely their fault though. it was yeah i don't recall them being like part of a huge defensive breakdown it was a weird it was a weird game for that line because scott just mentioned the the chances for uh, and against when they were out there and it was heavily in their favor but the eye test kind of said it was kind of a quiet night for them. But then again, they they did have a couple of really, really good chances throughout the first half, first half of that game where it's like if one of those goes in, then you have a totally different perception of, of them that game. Like like Hall and, and Pashnak just barely missed on a couple of, you know, cross-ice, you know, one-timer attempts. And I know Zaka just missed a one-timer attempt. At a, I think it was on a power play, actually, on the right circle. But, yeah, I mean – um, as the game got into the final minutes and the final 10 minutes of that game, two of those three players had major goals, right? And the second one coming from Taylor Hall, who, um, you know, showed you, he showed you his, his first overall pick talent in just a matter of a couple of seconds. There aren't a lot of guys that can make that play that he did to tie the game five, five with the goalie pull, just the, the, to knock the puck out of the air and just do that quick spinorama and just, you know, quick release on the ice. That's, that's elite skill um, that you're able to see from a guy like Taylor Hall when, when he, when he capitalizes. And that was, that was a great goal for him, for the team. And he continues to have some really, really big goals this year. If they'd counted that Bergeron goal, he would have just extended his game winning goal lead i mean i think he was tied with getzel going into the game and he would have just gone up it ends up being a game tying goal huge because it came with a goalie pulled you know extra attacker on the ice well, i think 117 118 left in the game um and i honestly wasn't sure they were going to pull off the comeback um they in the fact also that they end up as soon as you see that the, the hall gets the goal they're going to overtime you're like 
okay, well, that means a few things. It means, you know, that's not, a, there's not going to be an L, you know, there's not going to be another um, one added to the loss column. And Linus Allmark automatically is not going to get his first loss of the season. So you're like, okay, that that's good. He keeps his perfect, um, his perfect streak going in net. Uh, so he still doesn't have a loss and you're like, okay, well they get a point out of it. So they're still going to, you know, probably hold on to that first place spot though. I think isn't, aren't the golden Knights winning too, or, or did they win? Um, so they're going to stay up in the top of the league. So, you know, just even the fact that they made it to overtime um, was just a, a, like a Herculean effort to get there. And it was able to make all of those things happen. Yeah, and by the way, like I, I was just like, how devastating of a loss is that for the Penguins? You, they just had, like I mentioned, this horrible road trip, but they lose four in a row on the West Coast. It, you know, a team that, like the Bruins, was off to a great start. I think they were 4 and one before this trip. Then they lose four straight. They didn't lose at home until today. Yeah, they come back home. Looks like they're off to a great start, right? 5-2. The crowd's going crazy. You know, you're beating the best team in the league. And then they choke it away. Like that's not that and we almost, really particularly care about the Penguins' feelings right now, but like I, I'm just thinking, like that's that's gonna be brutal. Like for for a team that obviously has very high hopes as well, and I still think we'll be fine, but not a good place for them to be in right now. I'm really worried about how Tristan Jari's feeling right now. Yeah. Um, so I, I will say though, I wouldn't call like, I mean, sure. You could say they choked cause they gave up a three, you know, they were up three goals and they end up losing, but the Bruins, what they showed in that game was just that you, they can give up a goal 30 seconds in, come back. They can be down by three goals, come back. They, even if that ended up being a loss, they were going to have like, you know, four or five goals in it. So like they're scoring in all of these different types of situations. They're facing this adversity because coming back from three goals down is not an easy thing to do. It's you're not, you at that point in time, you have a very low percent chance of winning and they, they're able to do that. So as much as the Penguins kind of squandered their, their lead, the Bruins forced their hand in that. And, and actually like, in my mind, I thought the Bergeron goal probably should have stood so I think nah, I, I thought it was interference. I thought, See, I thought right that goal. I thought that his leg definitely made contact, but I didn't think it moved him enough to stop him from being able to make the play. I I don't to what Bridget just said. I think I don't think that Bergeron's contact with Jari. I think the goal would have happened regardless. But to Scott's point, and I hate to, I hate to toe the line here. Um, so on the one hand, I agree with Bridget, but on the other hand, based on the rule book and how the NHL calls goalie interference nowadays, um, I wasn't surprised in the least that they that they called that back just because of because of how the league is now. But I don't think in my heart of hearts it made a difference. But that doesn't it doesn't that's not um, that's not a valid argument anymore. Exactly, so, and I also think that because of the situations that happened earlier in the game, the refs were more likely to see it in a certain way because they had seen the contact with the goalie earlier and they had been hearing it from Sullivan, like, okay, hey, pay attention to this. Like, our goalie's getting, you know, bumped. And, and so, like, sometimes that plays into it as well. I wasn't surprised it got called back, but I thought that he would have been able to make 
the play. I didn't think that the contact stopped them from being able to make the play. Either way, they call it back, but that's just another goal. If you if you think about it in the in terms like me and Brian are saying, like that's another goal that the team scored. So if you just think about it, like okay, that would have been a, a seven goal game or a six goal game. You know what I mean? Like they're able yeah. to produce these scoring opportunities at such a high volume that's hard to beat them. Yeah, and that's now twice this season that we've seen them, you know, in a game where you think, uh, you know, they're probably out of it, probably call it a night. And they come back, you know, that Ottawa game, which they ended up losing, but they were down 3 nothing, came back. They're down 6-3, got it to 6-5. And, you know, we mentioned at the time, like, those are games that last year we saw a few instances, particularly against the Carolina Hurricanes during the regular season, where they get down by a few goals and – and it was over. Like there, there was no coming back. Game was over. Like by the end of the first period or halfway through the second, and you just had like no hope or expectations that they were going to be able to get back in it. Now this team, with the way their offense is going, and the way that like really any line can score, and, and the way that their star players have stepped up, you know, three goals with half a game to go, not crazy. Like. They, I don't know. They just might do it. So no, I think they've set such a high bar that it's like now we're gonna just expect them to win, even if they're losing by three. It's not even. It's not even because of the fact that like they've shown they can do it this year. Like, because because you're right, Scott. I I found myself watching this game and I, I felt the exact same way. Like when the um when the Penguins went up five two and I and I and I and I checked the scoreboard and I saw how much time was left in the game. If this was if this was any point in the last couple of seasons. And by the way, the last couple of seasons, the Bruins were still a top 10 team in the NHL standings wise. So it's not that they weren't good, but yeah, if they went down by three goals, four goals, you just knew it's like, well, the Bruins don't score four goals in a game or, or five goals in a game or six goals in the game. It's like, it's just, you knew to your point. It was like, when I, when I was writing the takeaways, I knew, I knew I could finish the game before the game finished. I guess the Bruins are going to lose this game. Um, but tonight it, it, it was, it's like, no, I'm, 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 I know that the Bruins are going to score at least two more goals in this game. So it's just a matter of if they don't give up anymore. Right. Um, and, and, and they had chances to, when Pittsburgh was up five, three and even five, four, like Pittsburgh had chances to, to separate from the Bruins and, and they didn't, and then a chance to win an overtime on a power play and they didn't. And I think, um, oh, and by the way, how dare ESPN. How dare ESPN bring up the fact that the Bruins had only won twice in the last 10 years when being down three goals in a game or more and uh, regular season and playoffs included. And when they list those games, they, they talked about the Capitals game last year or the year before. And then there was one other game like a few years ago, but they didn't even include the Maple Leafs comeback in game seven. So I really got <laughs> the department there. Um but yeah, I, see, I, that I, was the games that they didn't win, but you forgot to talk about the games that they did win when they came back. But but they but they didn't even but the Maple Leafs game and it was 2013, so technically that should have been on the list. Yeah. The so they must have just been looking at regular season games and yeah, their heads are up their ass over there. Well, see, see, none of us forgot about that one though. So well, if, I if mean, they don't, but if they don't talk about it, Bridget, they, they they mentioned it like eight times in the last four minutes of the game. At the, the yeah, Bruins. I know, Brian. I, we have our own text chain going about our issues with the broadcast and how it goes, <laughs> and I can't say anything bad because I'm also employed by I ESPN so, <laughs> and Nesson. So. I know, I know, I know. Uh, anyway, 
that's for the off off pod show. Yeah, that was right. the that's off air. You, you guys would be really interested to see our off air conversation. Hey, hey, Bridget, ESPN, Nesson, great broadcast, great broadcast. Um, anyway, no issues. No issues. Um, I think a I think a great microcosm of Hampus Lindholm's game, based off of your guys' comments earlier on, the Jekyll and Hyde effect he had this game, was the fact that he took the tripping infraction on on Malkin in overtime to to put the Penguins on the power play and potentially win the game. Um, the Bruins kill it off, and then Hampus goes end to end in like an NHL video game type rush and uh, and wins the game for the Bruins. Well, and right before that, he's the one who sets up Nosek for that other chance. It was Lindholm coming out of the box who gets the puck and starts to rush and makes the the aerial pass over to to Nosek. So, you know, one thing like that I thought of watching Lindholm as that game went on and he just kept getting more and more involved in offense and like really taking charge of the puck is it reminded me of like the way that McAvoy plays when the Bruins are trailing in a game where like McAvoy will just take over and yeah, get like a little reckless sometimes, but it's like, well, you're losing, like you got to get something going. So, you know, like McAvoy will just go for it. And it's some of, it's some of the most enjoyable hockey to watch to me because it's like, what what is he going to do? Like he'll try things that he won't try in a tie game or when they're protecting the lead. And I feel like Lindholm has some of that too, where it's like, he knows when they need offense, like he's like, okay, I can make some of this happen. Like, let me, let me, you know, take the puck up ice at, at full speed and like take guys on. And it's just, it's fun to watch. And it, it led to chances and ultimately ends up with them getting the winner. You only let a few guys do that too, right? Like there's only yeah. a few guys that you're like, okay, you have the leash to try these things because like, we know you could potentially do it. You could pull it off. So like you, you go, you, you go try it, but like, you're not going to see. Like McAvoy, uh, Lindholm. Yeah, McAvoy, Lindholm. Forbert. Yeah, I was just going to say, maybe not Forbert, probably not Carlo. Um, <laughs> I don't know if we've ever seen him get creative, <laughs> you know, when they're down. I mean, Clifton might try it sometimes, whether you, whether you give him permission to or not. So. True, true. But he's been great this year, so yeah. you know what? Let, let him go for it. But I guess a good time to talk about the defense now that we – first of all, Strawman ended up playing, and we haven't – we've had a limited sample size with, with his game, so I want your comments on him. And also, what will – what happens now that Forbert's out um, and how big of a deal you guys think that is if he ends up being out for – you know, any amount of time, obviously the way we, the way that we saw it end with him was in the first period. He took a puck to the hand wrist area, right hand, um, and didn't come back into the game. And so concerning for me, because like he couldn't grip the stick and also just because he's been such like a rock solid defender for you and been such a key person on the penalty kill. Yeah, I mean, third on the team in ice time. Uh, him, you know, I wrote about, so from on Monday, I wrote a thing like five reasons the Bruins are off to their best start ever. And I had the Forbrook-Clifton pairing as one of the five. Like, they have been so big early on this season. And we've talked about it, how they went from, you know, third pairing last year and occasionally getting broken up or one of them coming out of the lineup to basically the second pairing so far this season. Like you, you look at 
minutes. You look at the role that they're playing and what the teams needed from them as other defensemen have been in and out of the lineup. And the two of them together have been rock solid. And Forbert has uh, obviously been very good. Um, yeah, it he, he it was on the penalty kill, so he had to finish the shift. He couldn't just go to the bench, but he really couldn't grip the stick with that right hand. And then uh, Emily Kaplan reported between periods that he was like already in street clothes and then the Bruins officially ruled him out. So obviously not great to, to have him ruled out that quickly. You got to imagine there's probably a good amount of swelling, um, but no further update after the game. It, it would be a, a pretty significant loss, especially because I don't think anyone that they, they have bodies to bring in, right? Like Jacob Zaboro and Mike Riley are there and you know, either one of them can be fine in, in a third pairing role, but they're not the same player that forward is. And I think that, you know, defensive, uh, just being really solid de- defensively, how much, how critical he is on the penalty kill. Um, those guys are just different players. So like that pairing is going to have to change. It's not going to be quite the same. So um, you know, especially for a team that has had some trouble defensively at times this year, losing, you know, one of your best true defensemen, uh, it would be tough to overcome if, if it, this ends up being, you know, any significant amount of time. And Scott, the has Riley officially been recalled to Boston? Because I know on they, paper they had sent him to Providence. He never actually like went down to play, but I don't. Has he been recalled technically? Yeah, that they didn't officially announce anything, but it looks like Krejci was put on injury reserve and Riley was recalled as the corresponding move to fill that roster spot. And all that all that means for Krejci is that he's out through Thursday. Um, the IR is retroactive to to his last game, so he misses a week. He could still be back Saturday, and you know, then they'll figure out they might they might have someone else going on IR now. So, you know. I guess they'll they'll cross that bridge when they get there. So, Brian, your thoughts on you know the the injury to forward and just the defense in general? Um, you know, maybe options for them with if he's out, or also just like your thoughts on the game um, and how they you know how the defensive pairs played. Well, I thought it was a pretty sloppy game. I thought by both teams defensively. Obviously, when eleven goals were put up between the two. I don't think either team played great defensively. Um, but the Derek Forber injury sucks because without a doubt, he's been playing his best hockey as a Boston Bruin. Um, I can't, I'm not going to lie and say I watched him in Winnipeg or, or LA. Um, quite frankly, I didn't even know who the hell he was. <laughs> but um, And that's saying something though, because Brian actually pays a lot of attention to other teams in the league. So I do, I do. But I mean, to be, but I, I think, when you're when when your two teams are located in Winnipeg, um, and then LA, I'm not I'm not watching LA games at 10, 10 o'clock local time here in Boston. So, um, but anyway, so that that's a that injury sucks um, for him. I hopefully it's not long term, but if it is, you're talking about a team who you know has been playing without their top defenseman in Charlie McAvoy. You, they played without. Grizzlick for you know the first almost first month uh, first three weeks of the season two and a half three weeks whatever it was uh Carlos missed time so 
I don't want to overreact and, and say like they're screwed if, if Orberg can't go for a little bit. But there's no doubt he's he's a nice role player and he's really excelling in that role and they would miss his presence. Um, Mike Riley doesn't bring to the table what Derek Forbert does. Like you, they, you don't. The good thing about Derek Forbert in your in your in your top six defenseman is that um, you're able to have diversity in your in your D men. Like for example, you don't want to have too many guys to do the same thing because then you're just not really cohesive. So like you have you have Lindholm and McAvoy as the all around guys. You know, Grizzlick's more of a puck mover. He's capable defensively, more, more of a puck mover. Carlo's obviously more of a shutdown guy. Um, but Derek Forbert's like the clear shutdown football, defensive defenseman. He has whatever. You guys know what I'm trying to say. So it's 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 a sucky injury for him. But, um, yeah, as far as your other question, Bridget, about Anton Strawman, I definitely think he has some conditioning to, get, to catch up on. Um, but I didn't really notice him too much tonight good or bad. So I guess that's probably means he had an okay night. Yeah. I mean, I would agree. I thought that he was, it was one of those things where we've said it before. I think Carlo would probably fall in the same category for me tonight where it was quiet, but in a good way where it's like, okay, that you didn't notice a huge defensive liability on the ice from Strom. And he was a minus one, um, not, not a single Bruins defenseman was, plus anything tonight, but that, I mean, that goes to the nature of this game being so like crazy high scoring and, and whatnot though. Four of them were even so that, I mean, that's, that's a feat in and of itself, but so Strawman ends up a minus one. However, I don't think he was like noticeably a liability. Oops. I was muted there for a second. Uh, I was wondering, I, I mean, he, so he was on for that for Malkin's goal and it looked like he was in position to break up the pass and somehow just got under his stick. So I think he just didn't have his stick all the way down on the ice. So I guess, you know, if you wanted to fault him on that and say like, you know, you got to find a way to just somehow get part of your body, your stick, whatever on that pass and break it up. Um, but yeah, other than that, I thought he was pretty solid for the most part. <laughs> 